We've finally taken over the main service. It's ours now. Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat. I am so excited to have all of you, you freshmen, you returning people. You still count to me, too. You still matter. I'm so excited because this year, guys, is going to be awesome. I am so pumped for all that we're going to experience together. I'm in True North another year. You're in True North another year or for the first year. But uh, as much as you'll see my face and hear my voice, uh, I cannot do this alone. So it's important that I let you know that there's a lot of people that are going to be working hard for you this year. Some of them, uh, one person you already met. You met Evan Jacobson, who is our high school director. Him, him and his lovely wife, Candace are a power couple. You would do well to get to know them. <laughs> well, the next person that you should also know is Abby Lopez. She's in the back. <laughs> and that loud Hispanic dude is Joseph, her husband. He, they are also a power couple. And Abby does like every, the emails that you get, most of those are going to come from her or at least be edited by her uh, signups and all that. So she is going to be your go-to gal for most of the things that you'll want to know about uh, for what's happening here. Uh, and of course, uh, I cannot do anything that I do by myself. Uh, my wife, Kristen Gomez, I'm not sure if she's here anymore, but my lovely wife is my rib, my help, my, my everything in so many ways. So uh, I, I am up here. I am the face, but so many of the people behind the scenes work hard. And of course, I would be remiss not to mention the fact that you have some really awesome leaders. It's really hard to see you guys from here. I see Roy, I see Olivia, I see Sarah. I see a lot of leaders. But your leaders love you guys. I, I, I honestly believe this. And I, I think all the ministries that come to us are awesome, but we have some of the best people that our church has to offer. Because I honestly believe that you guys are some of the most important people to reach demographically. Uh, our church is made up by a lot of people, a lot of demographics, older, younger, et cetera. But I think you're in a stage and place where it's essential and even critical that you understand what the stakes are. Because up in, when you were a little young lad and you grew up through Awana and Edge, the Narrow, and now True North, you've really been fed, uh, really, a worldview, how to think about everything else around you. But now that you're in high school, you're making a lot more decisions. You get to decide whether or not you believe what this church teaches and what the Bible teaches about what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live. In fact, that's the very reason that I pursued high school ministry. Uh, right out of high school, I really started serving in high school ministry, so it's been like two or three years now. And now, uh, two or three years later, as I've been serving in high school ministry, it, it's, it's even more important to me that you guys understand what the stakes are. And as I plotted and planned for what I would teach you this summer, uh, I know it seems a bit cliche for those of you guys who've been around, but I feel like this is probably the most important summer that we cover something as fundamental and as critical as wisdom. And I want you not to be a biblical fool. I want you to be foolproof. I want you to be ready to see the world around you and to think in biblical ways. And in fact, there is a type of wisdom that the world offers that is totally contradictory to what the Bible offers. There is wisdom, W-I-S-D-O-M, and then there is wisdom. There's the kind of wisdom that you're being offered in the world that is, in fact, not wisdom. It's dumb, but it seems wise. 
Uh, in fact, it seems so wise that when you hear about things like Black Lives Matter and the protesting that's going on, it might seem to you like, well, that makes sense. The Bible affirms Black Lives Mattering, so maybe I should march. Maybe your friends posted the black square on their Instas, or maybe they made a video on TikTok about the, the cruelties of white privilege and, and, and racism in our country, even to the point where I think some of them are honestly suggesting and honestly saying, hey, let's get rid of the police, because police brutality is so rampant, we should get rid of all police, period. Now, if you're worldly wise, you might think that that's a good idea because people are fallen after all, right? People are broken, they're sinners, and we don't want white cops picking on black people, so let's just get rid of all of them. The system is so corrupt and so broken, we need to just dispose of everything. How are you doing with that kind of information? Did you tag defund LAPD? Did you tag that stuff? Are you thinking that way too? Young person, it takes a lot of wisdom to think critically and clearly about the world around you. I mean, we're only talking about the beginning of cultural Marxism and intersectionality and racism. Um, and in fact, what the news teaches you right now is because most of you in this room are white, you, know, you have a European descent, you suffer from a malady called white supremacy or white privilege. And because of that, you need to give up power and money to people of color like myself and a few others in here. You need to give up your, your place in society, your privilege, even your Western way of thinking in order to serve me and my people and others who are, again, darker skin than you because we have a darker skin and therefore by nature we are suppressed and you are the oppressors. That's what the world is teaching you. How are you doing with that? What do you think about that? Do you have an answer to that? Or are you just simply being tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching that the world throws at you? For the record, I don't think you're a racist. Unless, of course, you are a racist. You say racist things, you believe racist things, but otherwise, I think there's a lot more going on here than what meets the eye. Well, you might have heard about the protests, thinking about this, and some people are saying, you know what, well, if there's no justice, there can be no peace. We're rioting and we're looting because of the racist structures around us. The world is unjust, unjust. Isn't this exactly what Rosa Parks did when she decided to take a seat at the front of the bus and didn't want to sit at the back? Isn't this exactly what we're called to do when we are oppressed by a governing authority? Should we not do things and stand up against the man and say, you know what, this is what the, the time calls for? And yet now our nation is divided in ways that are maybe closer to the Civil War than I've ever seen in my lifetime. You know, not that old, but this is a really critical time for us to be alive. And you need wisdom. It doesn't stop there. Uh, as it's, it's, this month is Pride Month. And of course, if you know anything about Pride Month, you know that it's a celebration of LGBTQ plus communities. And if you're black and LGBTQ plus, man, you're especially... Uh, highlighted right now in society. Is that right? Is that right? Is that a biblically founded thought? And if not, why not? Why not? Can you articulate? Do you understand how serious a conversation this is? Because you see, it's not just these things. I mean, it extends to people who believe that they're more than just a person. They believe that they're animals. And I'm going to ask you to refrain from laughing because I think she's honest. She's serious. This is a real person with a real soul who thinks that her real life is really living as a cat and not as a human being. How tragic. Do you have an answer for her? If she walked up to you, if she was your friend and she asked you for advice and said, hey, I really feel like I'm a cat, what would you say to her? Wisdom is necessary. There's a worldly wisdom which would affirm that and say, you be you. 
If you feel like you're that, then you should embrace that. And anything less is to deny yourself of your very identity. What would you do, young person? What kind of wisdom do you have? What about if you found out that your local library was hosting Drag Queen Story Hour? This is a growing trend where men dressed up as women go to a local library and they read stories about uh, inclusivism and gender identity to people young. Awana age. Think Awana age young people sitting down with their parents, listening to someone read to them, wearing women's clothing as a man, and telling them about the, the beauty and the fruitfulness of, of gender inclusivism. Do you have an answer to this? What does wisdom dictate? What if you're at school and your teachers begin to teach you about gender inclusivism? Do you raise your hand and ask questions that are meant to stir the pot, or do you simply sit back and keep your silence? What is a person to do? I stacked the deck against you on purpose. I wanted you to feel that there is a greater need for you to have wisdom today than perhaps any other generation prior. You need wisdom. And for that reason, we're going to spend the next several weeks in our summer in the Proverbs, seeking for the wisdom of God to navigate through these strange, unusual times. And you had better be ready. Let's jump in together, Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to look at several verses, often very fast. So I'm going to need you to buckle your seatbelt and hang with me. If you've been under my teaching for a little bit of time, you know that sometimes I can talk fast. You'll get used to me, I promise. Okay, Proverbs chapter 1. We're looking at the entryway, the gateway into the book of Proverbs and what the intention is. So take a look here. This says here in verse 1, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon has the responsibility and the ability to compile all of these psalms, excuse me, these proverbs for his son. And I assume that it's Rehoboam. Now, a proverb is a pithy short sentence or saying that has a contrasting element. Hebrew poetry does not rhyme in the way that you and I think of rhyming, but it rhymes linguistically. It rhymes in a literary kind of form. So usually it's got balance. It's got a plus here and a minus there, or it's got a plus here and a plus here. There's balance and rhyme in a literary form. It's not a rhyming scheme like you and I are used to. You know, cat jumps in the hat, eats the rat, does the whatever that rhymes with those words. Um, but this is different. So this is what's happening. He's writing these pithy sayings, short sentences that, com that comprise a ton of wisdom. He says, we do this to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion. Here you go. This is where you come in to the youth. Well, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So we see here, as we enter the doorway of wisdom, it takes wisdom to even hear me. That's what, that's what the proverb says. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Young person, everything I'm about to say for you is written for you. You understand every sermon I write is written with you in mind. This is for you. I would advise you and plead with you in some sense, listen. Because there is much here that you need to understand. And in fact, the very first thing I want you to hear me say is that I don't want you to, first of all, just understand that you need wisdom, but I want you to feel it in your gut. In fact, let's put it this way. Point number one, you need to sense your need for wisdom, especially now. Sense your need for wisdom, especially now. It's one thing to understand it and even to agree with me. And I guess most of you probably will. If you've been raised in church, you know, yeah, I need wisdom. I need that. 
but it's another to feel it, to believe it in the pit of your stomach that I need wisdom. And young person, you never grow up and exceed your need for wisdom. You're never gonna get to age 50 and be like, you know what, I've gotten enough wisdom in my life. I feel pretty good right now. Any trouble that comes my way, I understand this. And so for you, young person, you need to realize that in your world, especially in the growing world that you're living into, it's gonna be harder and harder. You're gonna need more and more wisdom. And wisdom is not the same thing as just knowing things. Today's knowledge base continues to increase. And in fact, if you kind of think about the way that knowledge is expanding, um, you know, we have petabytes and terabytes and exabytes of information. Uh, there are current studies that suggest that the world's knowledge is multiplying by a factor of two every 12 hours. Think about that. The world's knowledge is multiplying, it's doubling every 12 hours. If we're not there, we're close to there. Why? Well, obviously the internet makes that really easy. And the more information that's connected, the more uh, sense of it we're able to make. So we have interdisciplinary uh, academics that help us to understand a broader, fuller scope of the world around us. Uh, expertise is getting more precise and more narrow. And so it's understandable that the world continues to go on. And now you have a much larger pool of knowledge to draw from. The question then is, how does wisdom teach me to understand that pool of knowledge? What am I supposed to do with all this information? You know that if you wanted to learn anything in the world right now, if you want to learn how to change a tire, where do you go to learn to change a tire? Call it out. YouTube. If you want to learn to hang a, a, a picture on your wall, you go to YouTube. YouTube, Wikipedia, a couple other sites, but mostly YouTube, right? Well, think about this for a moment. You go, to, you go to YouTube for information, but where do you go for wisdom? Well, let me understand, let's understand, first of all, what this is. Wisdom is a compilation of things. Wisdom first begins with knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge. It's understanding the, the reality of things. This is the easiest part of wisdom. It's saying, okay, what is true about the world around me? And understanding that, starting with that, with that first. Wisdom is a compilation of knowledge first and foremost. But you add to that righteous instruction. Here's what I mean by that. It's one thing to have information, uh, knowledge about the world around us, but it's an entirely other thing to have a right understanding of that. There's no such thing as brute facts, you understand. There's no such thing as uh, non-interpreted information. For instance, you might think, well, how about this, Pastor Rod? Two plus two equals undeniable truth, right? Well, almost. <laughs> Some people actually do deny that for a lot of reasons. But how about this? When I say two plus two equals four, I have a position that governs how I understand that information. I can say, well, I have a, a God who is logical, who is, is consistent with his nature, who makes the world to be a consistently scientific place to discover because God himself is a uh, orderly being and he reveals himself through nature. And so it makes sense to me that I would find nature be consistent, mathematical, accurate, repeatable, those kinds of things. Righteous instruction is saying, what am I learning and how do I understand it as a godly man or woman? It's taking the world around us and applying it, uh, applying a Christian filter to it, a godly filter. Knowledge plus righteous instruction. That's what we're looking at here. So wisdom, knowledge, righteous instruction, and now one more here, perceptiveness. Perceptiveness is the quality of looking at the world around and discerning between the good and the bad. You are observing what is of God and what is of the world. And that's not always easy because the world around you doesn't always tell you, hey, this is bad teaching, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you as, it's, as, as good teaching. The world doesn't give you warning flags and say, you better not listen to me because I'm about to lead you astray. No, the world is crafty. And so the kind of teaching that comes your way requires you to be perceptive. 
It also requires you to be aware. There's an awareness factor that says, I know I need wisdom. Without wisdom, I will not do well in life. I will fail. I will become uh, someone, that is, uh, someone that is foolish because I'm not growing of, in wisdom. You must be aware, young person, at your age and stage, you need wisdom. You need wisdom more than you need to have more knowledge about algebra, geometry, trigonometry, calculus, or whatever else is after that. You don't need that. It's nice to have. It's not a need to have. Wisdom, however, is a necessity that you must embrace. Wisdom is made up of all these things. Knowledge, righteous instruction, perceptiveness, and awareness. Which means you ought to, uh, again, you ought to feel the weight of this. You ought to feel your need for wisdom, especially now, in your youth. You are all young. All of you are under the age of 19. Some of you are at the precipice of 18, but all of you are young. And here's what you need to know about that. And I don't mean to offend you, but I do hope, I hope to encourage you with this, ironically. You're young, and therefore you know little. You have little wisdom. You are tempted to think that you know much. You're tempted to think that you have a handle of life. And I remember this specifically as being a high schooler. I remember thinking, man, I know a lot more than my parents even know right now. I am wise enough to live on my own, which I did. I lived on my, well, not my own, my own. I, I lived with a friend, but I was kicked out of my house at 17 and then again at 18 um, for reasons I'll share with you later at some point. But I was on my own and I hated my parents. And I thought, I don't need either one of y'all. <laughs> you guys can just do your own thing and then I will prove to you that I don't need you by being successful. And that drove me for a long time. But the arrogance of my heart deceived me because I came to learn that there's a lot of things of life that I do not understand. And there's a lot of complexities about the world around us that baffle even the smartest of you all. So I don't mean to offend your intelligence. Some of you guys are AP, IB kids, and I respect that. I honor that. I think that's wonderful. But don't confuse that with wisdom. Wisdom is taking the knowledge of the world and, again, applying righteous instruction, perceptiveness, and really a level of distinction. In this day and stage of your life, you need this. You may not know this, but this part of your brain is called the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is largely responsible, as much as we understand the brain, and the brain is still a science that a lot of us don't know much about, but this part of your head is used primarily, we think, for rational, uh, logical thought. So this is the heady part of you. Um, but you'll, you might notice, you can't really tell on this, on this graphic here, but at the very base of your brain, there's this little knob that sticks out. That's called your amygdala. Your amygdala is responsible for emotion. And that amygdala is either really good at governing emotion in, in, in conjunction with your, your, uh, your prefrontal cortex, or it's bad at that. Here's what's happening in your brain right now. Until you hit the age of 25, your prefrontal cortex is not fully mature. It takes well until your mid-20s before that part of your brain has solidified to the point of, okay, I've got a good foundation that we're going to build off of. What does that mean then? That means for the bulk of your life, at least to this point, you're still in the stage here, you're learning how to use your rational, intellectual part of your brain to govern and to guide your emotions, your amygdala. Your amygdala has a lot of power in your life right now. Your feelings but your, your, your sensible part of your brain is still offline and starting to get online. Here's what that means for you. That means your culture, your context, and what you feed yourself is either going to reinforce that structure, helping your brain to think well, or it's going to detract from good thinking. It's going to undermine your life. It's going to cause you chaos and pain as opposed to the things that are good. 
That's what a lot of articles say. I was, I've, I've read books recently. I think last summer I read a book about uh, your teenagers and their brains. And it said exactly this. This is a growing scientific field, so if I have to change my mind about this in a couple years, I'll, I'll take that. But I think they're onto something here. Because you guys know that sometimes your emotions really take over, don't they? And you're like, I don't know what I'm thinking right now. I don't know what's going on in my head. I just know that what I feel is this. You need wisdom to govern your feelings and your thoughts. You need wisdom. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself making critically foolish mistakes. I, I want to make one note because I do know that vaping is an important thing for a lot of people right now. So let me just say this. Your prefrontal cortex, again, still in development until middle, middle of your, you know, your 20s, if you're having the idea that smoking pot, marijuana, vaping it, edibles, if you're thinking that's a good idea, there are studies out, and it's a, it's a still growing science, so I'm just going to say this. There are studies out like this one. Here's an abstract from an article that's titled Adolescent Exposure to THC, which is the active agent in marijuana, in female rats disrupts developmental changes in the prefrontal cortex. The rational, thoughtful part of your brain is hindered by the active ingredients in marijuana that you'd be tempted to vape, smoke, eat, or however else people are adjusting it these days. Underneath this heading here, under the abstract, it says, current concepts suggest that exposure to THC during adolescence may act as a risk factor for the development of psychiatric disorders later in life. You want some psychiatric disorders? Have at it. Have some marijuana. Of course, you know that it's one of the stupidest things you could do. So I want you to know this, because as I point this out to you, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel bad again. I'm trying to give you a sense of reality. And I want you to know that when you, you need wisdom right now more than ever. And to deny that or to pretend like you're okay when you're, when you're actually in a place of need is to deny what's really happening around you. I've already mentioned this, so I won't spend a lot of time on this, but your social moment demands that you be wise, young person. If your friend comes to you and says, hey, I want you to know I'm a boy, but I'm going to be transitioning to a girl. You're my best friend. I want you to know this. What are you going to say? How do you respond to him? If your teacher comes in and she's no longer a she, she says, I'm now Mr. So-and-so. How do you respond to that? If someone comes to you with a darker skin color and says, hey, you're a, a racist, you have white privilege, and you should give me money because of that, what are you going to say? You see, it takes wisdom to have a good response. doesn't mean it's a practice response. doesn't mean it's mechanical. It just means that you're ready to think clearly about the world around you. And this is where wisdom comes in. Your social moments demands it. Your youthfulness demands it. Do not let your, your sharp intellect dissuade you from spending time letting God's word teach you and prepare you for what's about to take place in your life. And it's, again, a lot of complexity. Where do I go for wisdom then? These next several verses will give you a sense of that. How do I find it? There's a lot of options. You can go to YouTube. You can go to Wikipedia. You can find the, you know, their neighborhood-friendly atheist, atheist on, on YouTube. You can find a lot of Christian websites where uh, people sound like they're Christian. They give you semi-good answers. But what are we really doing there? See, it's one thing to have access to information, but you, you need wisdom to know what information is even helpful. You need wisdom to know which information you should even imbibe and understand and ingest. Because here's the thing, guys. Even in some of the upper echelons of clear Christian thinking, there's a lot of bad thinking out there. What happens? What do I do with this? 
Verse seven is the singular most important verse. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the starting place. It's the foundation. And then the father says, hear my son, hear my daughter. If you're a girl in here, hear my daughter. Sons, hear my son. Listen to your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland, like a, like a crown for your head and pendants for your neck, like a beautiful necklace. It decorates your life. My son, verse 10, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall, uh, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us, and we will all have one purse. This is basically an invitation to a family that is not your own. It's peers who are coming beside and say, hey, be part of us. We'll treat you better than your parents. We'll share a purse. We'll have, we'll have a pile of cash together or whatever it is, cash, pleasure, and we'll divide it amongst ourselves. Taking ungodly shortcuts to get the things of life, the pleasures of life, without the, the purpose behind it, without God's blessing behind it. Verse 15, again, the father pleads, my son, my daughter's in the room. Do not walk in the way with them. Think about that for a moment. Stop hanging out with them. Don't go near them. Don't walk with the unrighteous. Does anyone remember Psalm chapter one? Blessed is the man who does not walk, right? Does not walk, stand, or sit in the way of the unrighteous. And this is the father pleading with his son and daughter. You've got girls who are here saying, please don't go with them. If you know they're a snare to your soul, don't go with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Verse 16, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood and they set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Ironically, the trap that they set for other people to fall into, they fall into themselves. It's a self-defeating kind of lifestyle here. You now have two paths before you, the path of godly wisdom and the path of foolishness. You gotta know which one to choose now. Know where to go for the wisdom that you need, real wisdom. Know where to go. There's an old joke, story, an illustration really, uh, about an officer who sees a drunk guy underneath, in the middle of the night, he sees him underneath a, a lamp, street lamp, Officer comes up to the, the, the drunk guy and says, what are you doing? And the drunk guy says, I'm looking for my keys. And so the officer says, okay, well, let me help you. So they're underneath this street lamp in the middle of the night and the officer and the guy are looking and coming up with nothing. And the officer finally says, are you sure you left your keys here? You sure you dropped them here in this spot? And the drunk man says, well, no, I dropped them off or I dropped them across the street over there. He said, but the light over here is far better. Okay, clearly, the easy way is not always the smart way. In fact, there are many times when the hard way is the better way. Wisdom is hard won. It might be easier in the light of worldliness to look for wisdom on YouTube or Wikipedia or wherever else you might be tempted to go. TikTok now is a growing place where people are looking for information. That might be easier. But the easy way is not always the right way. And in fact, I'm gonna tell you now, that's not the right way. Where do I get wisdom then? Well, you gotta first start with the right foundation. 
This is the most important part, guys. Listen to this part. You gotta start with the right foundation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That means everything else you build your life upon has to start there. If you have a wrong foundation, your life building is going to crumble. This kind of foundation looks a little bit like this. This is the Salesforce building in San Francisco. This is the foundation. You can't see this because it's below ground. But this foundation took 11 hours to pour. It's concrete and steel mixed together to provide the kind of foundation that they can build a massive building upon. And now it looks like this. This is built, this is finished five years ago. And now it stands tall in San Francisco and is built in such a way that if there was an earthquake, it would be able to withstand a pretty sizable amount of activity before it topples. Why? Because the foundation that was laid was strong, reliable, faithful. You're building a foundation right now in your life. You're building a life that will either be faithful to what God teaches or not. You're building a life that will either be a blessing to you or a curse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Start with the right foundation. It is the fear of the Lord. If you're not a believer, now's the time to bow the knee and fear the Lord your God. Then find older, godly people and make them your pillars. Let those people be the guys that are holding up your life. Older, godly wisdom. And preferably, start in your current circles. Your leaders, if your parents are Christians, they might be a good place to go to. Find pastors, find people that you know and love and respect and make them your pillars. Help them, bring them close to your life and say, I want you to help me grow. I want you to make me wise. That would be one of the wisest things you could possibly do. That's why the guy says, hear my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching. These are people that have been around the block a few times. Don't forsake us. Listen to us. I know you'll be tempted not to because you think you know everything and your friends are going to tell you otherwise. They're going to confirm that. But listen to us. Follow us. Listen to us. Make older godly wisdom your pillars. And you need to toss out all ungodly wisdom. Often it comes from peers, but if there's a multiple amount of sources, it may not just be peers you know. It may also be the people that you know on TikTok that you follow or Instagram, or if you're old school, Facebook. If you're even more old school, you're MySpace. Whatever source of wisdom you're getting that isn't of God, those are the places where you need to be applying the, 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 the filter of Scripture and understanding, where should I get wisdom? Fear the Lord, find people that believe that, and then anything else in my life that comes to threaten that, I'm gonna throw it out because it's dangerous to your soul. I could talk so much about what that looks like too, but I need you to understand Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Proverbs 1.17 and 18 says, For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie and wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. What does that mean? Everything that these guys teach, these sinners who are ungodly, what happens in them is that the very thing that they desire comes upon them. So it reverses. God allows justice to happen to these guys. Essentially, Their wisdom is self-destructive. People that live a life of sin, whether or not they realize that, are living in ways that are ultimately self-destructive. For instance, let's go back to the, the transgender guy for a second, the, the drag queen. Is that ultimately God's best for him? Is his life gonna be better because he embraces being a woman? Honestly, think about that. Do you believe that? If we got rid of the police, would our lives as a country, as citizens, be better if we did that? Ungodly wisdom is self-destructive. It's like putting dynamite inside the building of your life so that your building implodes. 
the pillars, the foundation don't matter if you explode it from the inside. Your life has the potential to implode because you ingest dynamite ideas, bad ideas that eventually ruin you from the inside out, which is why, again, wisdom is so necessary. The fear of the Lord, beginning, pillars of godly people, rejecting the ungodly intentions of others. We close out with these few verses that tell us now, okay, here's the stakes. You either embrace wisdom or you don't. Here's what's, here's what's at stake for you. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. She's out there saying, come on, come and be wise. Don't reject me. Don't run away from me. Don't delight in the wrong thing. Come to me and I'll teach you. In verse 24, she says, because I've called out to you and you refuse to listen, look at what wisdom does. I also will laugh at your calamity. I'll mock when terror strikes you. That is to say, wisdom, because she's showing you the way, she's saying, here's the answer, here's the way. When you do the other thing that she says not to do, when you ruin your life, she's going to sit back and say, I told you so. <laughs> it's terrible, but that's what's happening here. You'll call upon me, I will not answer. Seek me, you're not going to find me. Because you hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Point number three, don't let wisdom prove you a fool. Wisdom is giving you the opportunity right now to pass the test. She's giving you the answers. There's a test coming. The test is called life. Here's the answer book, the word of God. Be ready for it. If you're not ready, you have the, the capacity to ruin your life, to implode. So how do you do this? Then you better start choosing to love wisdom now. In your high school years, this is the time to say, I will make wisdom my pursuit. In the same way that you go to the gym and work out your muscles or you go to rehearsal to practice your voice and whatever else you're doing, you give your time and your energy, your effort to knowing God's word, to loving it, to applying it to your life, to seeking godly wisdom and counsel in order that you would not lose your life by being foolish. Choose to love wisdom. Wisdom is pleading with you, begging you, please come and don't live foolishly. I guess one thing I should say that I think might be helpful to, to, to resonate with you, and it's that I, I know that the call of the world is enticing. It is enticing. You need to look this way. You need to talk with these words. You need to affirm these things that we believe, and we'll love you. The world will love you if you tell them what they want to hear. If you dress the way they want you to dress, if you talk the way they want you to talk, the world will love you. They have wisdom that sounds good, says things like, you need to love yourself. You are amazing as you are. You are exactly what, and they might even use the word God, God made you to be. If you feel like you're this or that, you need to embrace that because your identity is valuable. You are an incredibly important person. And so what's dangerous about the worldly wisdom is that it sows in seeds of truth with weeds of destruction, weeds of catastrophic lies that if you embrace it, again, it's dynamite in the building of your life. You need wisdom. You ought to love her, embrace her, and follow her. Because otherwise, when wisdom comes along, tells you what to do, you reject her. Again, you reject not fearing the Lord. You don't fear the Lord. You fear man. She will laugh. Choose to love wisdom and embrace humility, especially now. I hope I didn't come off as being angry or uh, as being demeaning to you. That's never my intention. You guys know who have been in my ministry before that I love you and I pray for you. 
And so what I want you to know is not that I think less of you. I don't think little of you. I think highly of you, which is why you need to know this now. Your response to this sermon can either be, hey, that's great. I, I really need to work on being humble and serving the Lord. Or it can be, man, I, who does he? He doesn't know me. He's just some random guy, like the random guy who's walked in. Don't know me. But scripture calls you and even gives you the, the blessing. It says, those who humble themselves are the ones that God shows favor to. James 4, 6. But God shows more grace. God gives more grace. He says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Young person, you can be proud and reject what God's word says, or you can be humble and see a life of blessing that God has for you. The world around you is challenging. What do you do with Black Lives Matter? Is it right? Is it good to protest, to loot, and to riot if there's injustice? Is it right to do that? And I'm asking, but I'm not giving you an answer yet. There's a lot of things we would need to talk about before we could answer that with any degree of biblical clarity. But you can understand how something like this requires wisdom, doesn't it? Because do Christians stand for injustice? Do we appreciate injustice? But is it right then to loot, to riot? I know most of you guys aren't voting yet, but at some point you're going to have to deal with this. A lot of people don't like politicians, and especially the one in the Oval Office right now. If you're voting in November, who do you vote for? Was Jesus a Democrat or a Republican? Pop quiz. Which one was he? Didn't exist. So you can't broad brushstroke and say, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You've got to say, what does the Bible say, and how do I live faithfully as a Christian with what Scripture teaches? The world doesn't want you to use certain words. The world doesn't want you to have a certain vocabulary. And if you have certain words or a certain vocabulary, the likelihood is that you will be canceled. In today's cancel culture, you are threatened. Man, I don't think this guy's a Christian, by the way. The guy on the screen here, I don't think he's a Christian. It's just an, a headline. Twitter says, no, nope, can't be part of our platform. If you're going to say things that are contradictory to what we as a society now hold to believe and, and believe to be true, then you are punished what does the new normal look like in our world? How do we be faithful as Christians and even witness to those who are lost if we can't even talk to strangers anymore? <laughs> At least not without a face mask and, you know, a plastic cover and everything else. How do I be a faithful Christian at school, you know, when it's so easy now with my, with my new cubicle set up <laughs> to not pay attention? I can have my phone right in front of me and teacher can't see a thing. I can do other things. Guys, we need this book. We need wisdom. We need God to help us sift through the, the radical things that you're going through. You have one of the most challenging generational uh, things in front of you. Coronavirus, racism, elections, an increasingly divided country. What a time to be alive and what a time for you to learn how to be a faithful, salty, lit up Christian. I want you to be foolproof. We need this book. I hope you'll get excited about this summer and keep attending every week because we're going to be talking about the wisdom that God offers us. And, and there's a variety of things. It's so uh, widespread. It's so general. There's so many op uh, options for us. Uh, we have a lot of good things on the calendar, and I want you to be here for this. Please don't miss. But let us re remember and, and never lose the starting place here, the foundation, 
the place we build upon is what? Fear of the Lord. That's where we start. That's what real success is. Worldly wisdom leads to dumb decisions and ultimately an implosion of your life. You destroy your own life when you imbibe worldly wisdom. Let's pray. Thank you.